0: Welcome to the Deep Impact Investing podcast with Kimberly Griego-Kyle of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we discuss sustainable impact investing, creating portfolios that match your values and a variety of other topics such as financial education, social justice, and sustainable food systems. Do you wanna know if your investments seek the kind of accountability from corporations that you demand? Listen in as we explore the burning question: Are you investing like you give a damn?
1: Hello, and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Greg Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Kim, so good to be back with you again.
0: It is great to be back with you, and um, we have something very different today.
1: Well, well first thing kind we of we have- different kind yeah, of, for, kind of different, yeah. maybe a little, little <laughs> different, but the first thing we have is a return guest. Who'd you bring back to the show?
0: We do have a return guest. So David Bunnell is back with us again. He was on podcast 42. If our listeners remember that. Um, so yeah, David, thanks for coming back.
2: Delighted to be here. I, I hope it's not like groundhog day, uh, <laughs> or if it is and people like groundhog day and that's a good thing, then I hope it is like Groundhog Day, but great to be here. Thank you. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So um, I'm not going to go through your whole bio and all of that, but uh, I know you're doing something new right now. So tell me, tell us uh, what that is.
2: Yeah. So last we spoke, um, it was a year ago. And um, in that, in that year, last we spoke on a podcast in that year, let's just say a lot is happening. We're recording this in the second week of Russia's invasion of, Ukraine. Um, We think Omicron might be waning here in the United States. We hope it is, but it's not in other places. Uh, Just much has changed since we last spoke. One of the things that's changed is my own understanding of how fast digital transformation is happening in the world and specifically in financial services. So that's uh, the the, the, general general thing you want to talk about today, I think.
0: Right. Yeah. So I do want to talk about that. And and, and about the work that you're doing right now. And I, what I thought I would just throw out there is that this is going to be a podcast where we just kind of wing it today, which I've never done. So I'm thinking hot topics with David Bunnell. So I think those are some pretty hot topics that you just mentioned. Yeah, hot
2: topics are, I mean, it's certainly timely. Um,
0: it is. Yeah. So let's start really with the, when we we were at a conference last fall together and we were talking about the need to upgrade our systems processing, correct?
2: Right. Sort of taking a systems approach, talking about um, the new economy, Web 3, fourth industrial revolution. We could even invent a new term today for it. But yes.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And And I think... The reason we want to talk about this is because it's kind of the future of impact investing. And we have to be aware of what's happening, what should be happening. And I think for you and I, really thinking about where we go from here in terms of the impact investing, the ESG investing, and how we make change going forward.
2: Right? Yeah. Yes, and and to put a time stamp on it for listeners because that might be helpful. It's March eleventh, twenty twenty two, and just in the last week to ten days, besides Russia's invasion of Ukraine, there have been several developments on the policy front, just here in the states, uh, yeah. that are material to this conversation for sure.
0: Absolutely, and I think one of the reasons that it's helpful to talk about these issues is because impact investing over the last seven to 10 years, almost last decade, is really a hot topic itself. And everyone's talking about it. More people are involved in it, both with their money and more financial advisors. So, keeping on top of all of this is really important. Um, I was reading earlier, David, about... um, I was reading an article about the three trends in impact investing to watch this year for 2022, and of course, climate, 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 climate. It's it, it's probably the most important thing. But what we're also talking about, or what they're talking about, is the standardization of the impact investing industry, which is so important. What do you think about where we need to go with that particular piece?
2: This is a fascinating question and, again, timely. Um, So the Securities and Exchange Commission on March 21st will disclose its plans for proposed rules around mandating disclosure uh, from publicly traded companies about climate change and the associated risks. I mean, this is massive. That's big. Yeah. (laughs) and. What that means, we still don't know, because we'll have another, I'll call it a comment period, that's probably not the right term of art. This isn't, uh, this is now uh, going to be put out for more comments, and then will likely become law this year. But essentially, it's going to require companies to disclose and report, and here's where it gets to your word, standard, standardized greenhouse gas emissions data, as well as climate-related risks now and in the future. So I don't know if this is tectonic, but it was expected, and I would argue, um, wanted by many, particularly in the impact investor space.
0: Absolutely. It's very much wanted. People want to have some sort of standardized idea of what these processes are. The U.S. is so far behind Europe on reporting requirements and disclosure, so this is a really big step forward. And I think also there's this concern – in this industry from, from those of us who are practicing about whether or not it's the SEC who should be making this standardized language and process, or should we in the industry be doing it?
2: Such a great, yeah, that's a good point. So then we also have a year ago, right after our first podcast, the uh, department of labor. Oh yeah. Uh, Postponed might be the right word at that point, um, a, a previous administration law related to ERISA and since then, um, that's also changed. So to your point, uh, it's possible or will be possible for um, fiduciaries to, to advise and counsel um, differently than they might have um, certainly a year and a half ago or two years ago. So lots lots of moving parts, and we haven't even brought up the president's executive order from March 9th on ensuring responsible development of digital assets. So there's so much going on at the government level and that's just in the United
0: States right now. Right. I wanna talk about that, um, this March 9th announcement and what that means to investing itself and the impact investing space. I'd like to hear your opinion on that because you're pretty connected.
2: Well, it, it's um, there's there's a lot. I mean, there's there's a lot to it, Kim, and it, it, it is still emerging. So uh, on in that order, it, it says a number of different things. Um, it, it it says things like a digital asset may among other things, a security, a commodity, a derivative, or other financial product. It says digital assets may be exchanged across digital asset trading platforms, including centralized and, wait for it, decentralized finance platforms or through peer-to-peer technology. So this is wide in scope. And it's going to be my best advice to listeners is don't make it wait and see. Make it actively participate. Uh, it's quite a long executive order. People can f- find it online and it provides really the game plan by the administration on how people can engage in decisions around this. So uh, to your point, um, do we we want government to define everything? No. And the good news is I'm not sure they want to either. So there is an opportunity for engagement (laughs) on everything we've talked about so far, sort of as we speak and throughout this year, 2022.
0: Yeah, uh, very important points. And I want to talk a little bit about when we're talking digital assets we're talking you know not just about crypto which is what most people probably think of but we're talking about a lot of other ideas some of them are just ideas and some of them are actual trading opportunities and i also want to mention that we as a firm don't trade in cryptocurrencies It's just not something we have the bandwidth to do. I think it takes someone who's really, really dialed in to understand that process. What I don't understand, David, is how this is going to affect the financial industry and and the investment process.
2: Well, it is. You know, it's so interesting, Kim. It was so fun to be with you and um, Rex Raymond and Others at the first conference I'd attended in the COVID era when we were at ESG for Impact. And, you know, you might remember I talked about uh, Web 3, Web 3.0. So there are, again, a number of different monikers we're putting to this. But in essence, this is happening now. It's not a question of this will happen in the future. And so for folks who may not know this, certainly SWIFT has been in the news given the russian invasion of ukraine so people who've never heard of swift before now at right. least have heard of it right
0: right right and i unless you've you've transacted money across continents you have no idea what that means but we're also and i'm just this popped into my head thinking about how part of this war with russia and ukraine is being funded for ukraine they're asking for cryptocurrencies yeah, so I'm not,
2: yeah, I'm not going to get this number right. And it's probably outdated as I say it. But I think so far, last I saw, it's about 63 million in crypto that's flowed in, flowed into Ukraine. A, it, it, that, that's almost the wrong way to say it, right? It, right. it is now available and accessible from others to, uh, to Ukraine. It's quite fascinating.
0: So how does this affect us in the investment world?
2: Well, the first thing I'd say mentioning SWIFT is it it is happening literally as we speak. So in November 2022, the SWIFT network will begin to migrate to a blockchain-based smart contract platform. And we could spend weeks on a podcast talking about just blockchain and smart contracts. Right. But what people need to understand is go look those things up right now or Google smart contract and SWIFT. And you'll see um, companies, financial institutions, the eleven thousand banks and financial institutions across the world have three years to migrate onto a digital platform, much different from the current SWIFT platform. So, what might have Which taken? Which is a
0: gold-based standard, right? Be- well, uh, I mean, just a regular dollar standard, gold-based, not this, not the virtual blockchain process am I?
2: Am well, I, I think per- the, the, the important, maybe the important point is, is more about sort of time and or transparency. So what took me recently, um, several days to transfer to a country outside of the United States via the SWIFT network will now take seconds. The intermediary costs, if that's the right phrase, um, will go way down. There are, there are um, outrageous sort of stats about the typical remittance fee for somebody who might be transferring across um, cross-border payment networks. They can be almost 11 percent per transaction.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The World Bank estimates that's, you know that's just an outrageous amount of money that does not go to, for instance, if we want to talk about Ukraine, it doesn't that's 63 million that flowed to Ukraine, what was that number before everybody took their share? So, you know, a couple of things, Kim, one, this migration will change the way that money flows, literally the number of dollars or euros or whatever, fiat or non-fiat, and um, it will be a faster, less uh, sort of friction, there'll be less friction. So people talk a lot about moving toward frictionless. So again, it's It, it's, it's to me, more interesting about how much more efficient and potentially transparent it will make things, but it is also, um, I think, in, in your question, causing some consternation about what it might mean for uh, 11,000 banks and financial institutions across the world.
0: Oh, well, and individuals and investors, because I'm thinking about this as you're talking, and you're mentioning a three-year time period… I don't know that we can get everyone on board with that. And I'm not just talking about the banking institutions. I'm talking about people themselves. Um, lots of folks that I work with don't trust electronic systems and they don't know how if they're secure enough. Um, so I see that as a potential problem. But the idea behind this, I think, is what, what you're mentioning is being more efficient costing less for investors for banks for people who are are exchanging money but this is also a big change this isn't a small change so how do we get folks to really understand how blockchain works cuz i couldn't give you a complete definition
2: you know it's it's an important question and i don't mean to defer on it but i i would say my apple pay my visa my mastercard my american express card i I don't actually know how they work, and I'm pretty smart about that, right. <laughs> what, what matters to me is that they work, and I, I, right? I trust because a central authority, Visa, Mastercard, has proven over time that they are trustworthy. Um, will execute any transaction under the terms I've agreed to, and true. I think in a way, I'm I'm not. Sorry, I, I know I'm not necessarily supposed to be mentioning companies. And so in that sense, <laughs> I'm just using those as an example, um, respond to you um, in the same way that I'm, I'm not invested in Bitcoin, but Bitcoin has a long track record now of executing with limited interruptions or hiccups. So again, I'm not endorsing Bitcoin. Right. I think Thank you. People, people who own Bitcoin, particularly care about the sausage making, they care that peer-to-peer transactions happen and they're frictionless. So I completely get what you're saying. And I remind people that most of us don't understand our iPhones either, but we (laughs) embrace them dearly and we have a panic attack when they go missing for a minute. So I I hear you and I invite people to, you can absolutely find this information online and it's actually readable. But I I would suggest, too, it's um, maybe not as important to understand the details of what good data scientists and amazing mathematicians and cryptologists are doing as it is to um, understand what's in your own wheelhouse and where this particular application, where this arrow that you might want in your quiver could best apply. It won't be the be-all to end-all, and we should not. Absolutely, should not blockchain everything.
0: Good. I'm glad you said that. Uh, I don't think everything will be that way, but what we're really talking about here is a speedier process, uh, more financially feasible in bigger institutions, that kind of thing. How, let me, let me ask you this, David. You, know, you and I talk a lot about a new economy. And a better economy, and where we need to go in the impact investing space to get there. So this is a step to a new, better economy. Is that what I hear you saying?
2: Well, I mean, we like to. I like to. I I like to think I work in transformation. We talk a lot about transformation, but the to get to the green. <laughs> we've got to move through a fair amount of Brown. There's this unfortunate thing called transition that has to happen toward transformation. So to mention the B word again, Bitcoin, Kim, if you and I do, if you and Eric and I do a podcast 10 years from now, we might look back at Bitcoin as really the first use case of this, not unlike how people might look back on Netscape for those that remember that. Or, you know, in real time, not to pick on Peloton, but who knows where, whether Peloton will last. And we might look back and say, God, remember in the, in the pandemic. So I think there's a yeah. there's a potential, we may be experts say we're, we're only 1% of the way there on web 3.0. It is important, I think, for listeners to understand though, this isn't and shouldn't be alien to them. And it's not something that they're divorced from or that they're immune from. It's a question really of, Because you asked it earlier, what can investors or advisors do? Get engaged and understand it so it doesn't just happen to you. This stuff is happening as we speak, and there's there's an element of inevitability to it because it is smart, it is efficient, it does remove friction, it does do a really excellent example of validation. The atmosphere doesn't care about estimates, the atmosphere reacts, physics, you know, it reacts physically to real emissions. So, this stuff is more important than ever to get right. And these technologies can help us get it closer to right, but not perfection.
0: Okay. So, what I'm hearing you say is that this is part of the technological process that we need to be going through to get to this newer economy. It can be very complicated and very technical, but we don't really need to dive into those particular pieces any more than we dive into exactly how our iphone is a a computer and can do everything for us correct
2: correct and i think in terms of why i'm not suggesting that people shouldn't do their homework absolutely oh
0: yes absolutely yeah i agree
2: i think um Warren Buffett famously was not an investor in the company that makes the iPhone until five or six years ago, because he famously talks about he doesn't like to invest in things that he can't understand. You know, I think people have argued that one of the reasons he's made that change is Apple may not be seen as a technology company anymore. It's a brand lifestyle, even a fashion brand company.
0: Mm, Good point.
2: You know, I think we're going to watch this evolve to the point where I'm not suggesting cryptocurrency is going to become a fashion brand. You could argue that it already is for some. (laughs) I think
0: it might be. Yeah. Um,
2: NFTs certainly were last year. Um, And let's not go into NFTs. That's an entire podcast. But yeah, I I think that if I can make one point, Kim, that I really do want to make based on last time you and I, we are physically together in a room. We heard the head of fixed income for one of the world's preeminent banks say that out loud that 80% of green bonds lack data that supports claims made around quote green attributes and outcomes
0: which is shocking
2: how do you imagine you running anybody listening to this that runs a firm or works with an investment advisor or is an investor being 80% incorrect or just 80% flat wrong then this person went on to say self reporting by corporations and financial institutions needs to go the way of a dinosaur And I just thought, well, there you go. So if we can use all the technologies and tools at our disposal to get toward better, um, I think people will make more money. We're talking mostly to impact investors in this podcast. They, they're going to be better able to invest like they give a damn and understand (laughs) what they're investing. And, um, Again, this isn't the silver bullet, but I think it's a it's a logical path as we try and improve our practices
0: thank you that's That's very enlightening to me uh, When we talk about the the finance pieces, which is investing itself and the newer upcoming disclosure requirements, we hope they'll be fairly strong. I'm also thinking about how that plays into the UN's sustainable development goals, specifically around financing. My expectation is that this will make it easier. Um, And when we're talking about financing with the UN sustainable development goals, we're talking about the transition. And I know you don't like this term. I think you don't, but with the transition to net zero and the requirement that it will, I mean, it's just going to cost so much money to make that process happen. We have to save our climate and it's not a cheap fix. So having these more efficient finance processes, we hope will help.
2: Concept is important. I mean, it's important in, in, in several ways. One of the ways is actually it's gotten people thinking about climate change. And, um, we can argue how many angels does it take to dance on the head of a pin or how many can, but, you know, I think the problem many have with net zero is um, what we need is avoided emissions. And so if you're.
0: Uh, Say that again, what we need is avoided emissions. We
2: need to do a better job of polluting less and not by our way out of jail. (laughs) <laughs> and so I, I, I
0: love that. I love the way you're saying that. I think that is so clear to even the most non-technical listener. What we need to do is avoid emissions and not buy our way out of the problem.
2: I I, I should know this, and my family, if they listen to this, will wonder why I didn't get it right. But wasn't it wasn't it indulgences that you could buy your way um, out of? some bad behavior 500 years ago by paying enough money, Um, a syntax, if you will. And I think that I'm not suggesting net zero is a syntax. I'm just saying, wouldn't it be interesting if we were really focusing on, again, polluting less and that was the primary focus of our work and not so much on perhaps purchasing credits. Now, we do need, again, a transition pathway. So I'm not saying throwing. Any baby out with any bathwater, but you would asked me up front in your question about net zero, and I think again if the atmosphere, the atmosphere is responding to real, real emissions, not pledges, right? Not self-reporting, not credits, but real emissions. So we need to solve for real emissions.
0: That is brilliant, and we should all be talking about this. And I'm I'm really glad that you went down this little path here because it's really important that we all start doing better and being more proactive rather than, as you've mentioned, buying our way out of it, buying um, carbon offsets. Let's just change the practice up front. David, I think we could probably talk about all of this for hours. You and I get together and On the phone, and we can just chit chat about all sorts of things. If you had to narrow this or wrap this up into a succinct, concise topic, which it's been kind of (laughs) broad, how would you do that for the listeners?
2: Well, they're almost the overarching thematic, I think, is sort of systems thinking and then systems investing. So you'd asked me three or four minutes ago about. How does this apply to the SDGs? So if I gave some concrete examples of what your listeners can do now, um, from a systems approach and systems thinking approach, the SDGs are, there are 17 SDGs, it's a systems approach. There's a program I'm involved with called, uh, sponsored by TIFFS, Transformational Investing in Food Systems. And there's a tool that TIFFS has created that takes a systems approach to portfolio. So rather than looking at maybe one SDG, it enables you, uh, Kim, as an advisor, it it enables a high net worth individual or even normal people like me who aren't necessarily high net worth individuals at that level to um, look at a portfolio and make better decisions. And that came out of the impact investor community who really didn't have a way to evaluate from a systems portfolio perspective. And it was driven in large part by frustration around how do we do a better job of honoring and enabling the SDGs? Let's not just make the sustainable development goals a nice idea that most of the UN members in the world all agree to. Let's actually do something and create a concrete tool that might help us better enable them. So that would be answering your question, hopefully two questions. And then the other thing I would say is, absolutely, I would encourage people to really understand how digital, digital assets and, and, and almost the railroad tracks that are being laid down around decentralized technology. So this is the backbone. This is, this is the decentralized internet is web 3.0. How can we better own our data? How do we understand when to monetize our data? How do we get compensated for monetizing our own data? And I won't name drop or, uh, or worse, anybody that's out there doing it now, um, not with us, but to us. But I think that's also sort of the thematic, Kim. I mean, there, there are tools and movements that will better enable impact investors to invest like they give it in.
0: Which is fabulous. And I, I'm going to wrap this up a, a little bit with what you've just said. And this tool you're talking about, this newer tool from TIFFS, uh, I've had a chance to take a look at it with our friend Rex Raymond. It's it's going to be good and a very useful tool. And they're not just talking about food systems. They're talking about climate risk and all of those pieces that go in with it. We also know there's another firm you know, with a, a tool specifically addressing climate risk in, in investments. So you're right. We What we're looking at now is the process of new disclosure information, new definitions coming up. Um, we have, I don't want to get too lost in the uh, digital assets or the digital currency, because I think that is probably more than most people need to understand or know. They just need to have a basic understanding of that and how it's going to affect the investments going forward and how we're going to get to a better economy and hopefully reduce the risks of climate change. So on that note, Eric, you've been very quiet and I hope this hasn't been too, uh, odd of a conversation for us because we literally just winging it today but you know what what are your thoughts here
1: well again this this is this is why i love it when you bring guests on because you hear a lot of there's a lot of people right? Working towards moving the goalpost forward. Right. And I think that that's what I'm taking away from that. I don't understand a lot of the stuff that you guys have been talking about. So Kim, you and I'll have a conversation later. You can explain more to me. <laughs> but- <laughs>
0: well, honestly, there's some of these things I don't fully understand myself and I don't think everyone does. And David's probably a lot more brilliant than I am.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's uh, I can't imagine that. But David, I will give you credit because there, there is so much out there. And I I could feel the restraint in your voice because you could have gone down some rabbit holes and we could have been absolutely lost down there. So I, I thank you for keeping it more digestible for myself at least, and probably some of the audience as well.
0: Right. David, do you have any final thoughts today?
2: Yeah, I would just encourage people to think about three things. One, the world's central banks have positioned green finance at the absolute core of the global financial infrastructure, full stop, especially regarding climate change and nature loss. Number two, the financial products of a sustainable future will absolutely rely on strong, accurate, validated climate biodiversity and human rights data. And then third, and this is really important for impact investors or any investor, the cost of capital for corporations will increase or decrease based on their validated sustainability performance information. No more self-reporting and when you get taken to the principal's office, that principal <laughs> will have valid data that he or she can use to um, talk about your performance. So it's happening, uh, Eric and Kim, as we speak. And I'm, I'm delighted to be able to share some of a little bit I know about it with you. So thanks again so much for having me.
0: David, thank you for being on and sharing this information with the listeners and having this very interesting conversation with me today. I know a lot of listeners are thinking, I really don't know how this relates to what I'm doing and investing. Um, But that's where I come in. That's where Horizons comes in. We are happy to help you walk through this process. I think all of our clients want to see better progress on climate risk and how it affects their portfolios, which we are actually seeing a bit right now in the volatility because of the prices of oil. So, that is, that's coming. Thank you again. And if listeners want to reach me, there's email kim at com, or you can email the info at, uh, and that goes to all of us at the team at Horizons. And um, thanks.
1: Absolutely, Kim. I, I'm, I'm so excited that David was on the show. So David, thank you again for being here. And of course, Kim, thank you for facilitating this and bringing David back on the show. I love it when you have returned guests because we get updates and they've learned a lot more and they can share a lot more. Um, but our last thank you, of course, always goes to you, listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Grego Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day, every day. And we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing, the sustainable, responsible, impact investing podcast that shows you how to invest like you give a damn. If you have questions about this podcast or topics you'd like to hear addressed on an upcoming podcast, email us at at horizonssfs.com. Join the conversation on Twitter at horizonssustfin or give us a call at 505 982-9661. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. The companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment. And your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services Inc. and its financial professionals do not render tax or legal advice. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. None of this content may be used or duplicated without the express written agreement of the podcast host.